on the season two finale of the Steve Greaves podcast, I catch up with my Bowdoin College classmate, Paul Edelstein. You know him from television. You know him from movies. You may know him as a musician. I am thrilled that he took the time to uh, talk with Steve a little bit here on the podcast. It's the season two finale with Paul Edelstein. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is our season two finale, and I have a, a very, very special guest today. Someone you'll recognize once we once we say who it is. First of all, thank you for listening. We've gone six months, two seasons, 30 episodes. People have had a really good reception for the show. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Paul Edelstein, my Bowdoin College classmate, class of 91, Bowdoin College actor musician right paul paul first hello how are you good nice to see you nice to be here thank you for being on the show i think we briefly saw each other i'm trying to think of last time the five-year reunion that makes sense 1996 yes. correct five year. we all go back none of us had really done much well you, you you more than me since then i think i went to school in five years but that's probably so we're working on 15, 14, 15 years since the last time we saw each other. You look the yep. same, I have to say. Thank you. You look good exactly how I remember you. You do uh, too. Thank you. I guess my most precious moment, my memory of you was when at that moment, I don't know if we were kicking around, a friend and I have a film person, you know, now you're an actor, so we have to talk to the actor about film, but we were making <laughs> a, we were thinking about making a biopic about my life. And um, I wanted James Gandolfini, number, number one. I think he'd do the best job. But part of me, I'm a little conflicted. Um, one also wanted Philip Seymour Hoffman, because I thought he'd do a good job with me too. You know, very well. Good. I have a problem with both those guys, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But none of them, neither of them are alive at the time. But you right. agreed, but you agreed to do it and gain the requisite 80 pounds you'd need to gain to to no problem. To, I, would to love to. <laughs> I promised you donuts and you you took it up. So Let's talk about, here we are, November 2020, Paul. Now, it's funny calling you Paul, because in college, I think I remember Eric Rice and I called you Edelstein at all times. Probably, yeah. Yeah, is that common? Okay, so if I slip in an Edelstein, you'll still answer, that's okay? In that group of friends, it, what, that's what I, yeah, you called me Edelstein. Okay, so Edelstein, what, what are you doing right now? November 2020, mid-pandemic. Um, uh it's the day before Thanksgiving. I'm getting ready to have a very, 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 very small uh, family Thanksgiving with my child and her mother. And it'll just be the three of us to all day tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. Um, obviously disappointed to not see my family's in the Midwest, my extended family. But, you know, that's that is November 2020. So, um, you know, things have been very slow work wise since March. I was shooting a pilot for Showtime in March in Baltimore. We got shut down and it's not going to go back. We found out about two months ago. And uh, that is not uncommon right now, obviously. Things are um, starting back up, not in theater, certainly, but in um, film and TV. Things are starting back up with very strict protocols. And thus far, it's been about six weeks, two months. Um, it seems pretty safe for people. So hopefully, whatever surges coming won't affect that too much but obviously a lot of unknowns gotcha so you were on chicago pd 
Like, give me yeah. most, most most recently. I guess that was the most recent thing I did, and it was a while ago already because this year's okay. been so. And then this pie that I was doing, um, but it's that'll never see the light of day. So, okay, I was actually doing some acting. Gotcha. And then I'm a writer as well, um, or as I like to say, I act like I'm a writer. And so there has been that's obviously something you can continue. Yeah. So me and my partner have been have various projects and various stages that we've been. So I've been busy uh, at home, at least. So that's been a good thing to put my energies into. Yes, sounds good. I'm just going to shoot all these random questions at you about different times, and then you're going to answer, and then I'm going to get a, a little nugget I need. I need, my people are going to be extremely happy that we're talking, but maybe you know, your thousands of Instagram fans and thousands of Twitter fans, I want them to learn something different about you today. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep you off guard by all these different questions. And um, so maybe you answered this. My wife loves Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. She saw you on Mrs. Maisel. Is your character coming back? She asks. I was told um, that there was a possibility of that because, uh, and um, I talked to uh, the woman who, whose sister I played, um, you know, and uh, she said that she heard that as well, but, Oh, you never nothing, nothing. Okay, good. She looked forward to that. She liked that. Oscar Lehman, right? Oscar Lehman. Yeah, she liked that show. I, I, the Tony Shalhoub character hits a little too close to home for me. So I'm being a <laughs> college professor in that mode. I guess that my wife made me watch an episode where he can kind of came back to the classroom and one by one insulted every one of the students there <laughs> and i'm like okay that's that's a little too close to home thank you it's funny but got, got... do you go after your students in that way i i, I did in in, in at, at a time i did yes yes i did yeah. <laughs> it's it toughens them up for the from the real world you were, you were a tough uh you were a tough academic force i remember it well yes thank you um okay my question have you ever been starstruck have you ever been on a set and go, holy shit, I'm with George Clooney or holy crap? I mean, maybe not, but I'm just like. Multiple times. Okay. What's the one you remember the most? Uh, what'd you say? When's the one I remember the most? Yeah, I know. Or the first uh, or the most vividly. Oh, you know, there was a, there was one that was, um, it stands out in that I'd been working on a film with John Travolta and I'd I don't know if I'd gotten used to it. I don't know if you're ever used to it, but I was certainly more comfortable. And then we were shooting something in a recording studio, actually. And there was a technical problem. So there was a break of like 10 minutes. We were all just sitting around and he was, I was in the control room and he was in the studio and, and there was some um, background artists around him and they were trying out this different music to play. And they started playing a rhythm and blues song and he started dancing. And he he took this woman by the hand, and she was a dancer. And they just started uh, impromptu dancing. And you know he can really dance. He can really move. True. And I was sitting there like I'm watching John Travolta <laughs> dance 15 yeah. feet from me. That was because it wasn't. You know I hadn't gotten my head around that he wasn't supposed to dance. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't on camera. It was just like watching John Travolta dance. And it was, it was one of those pinch yourself moments it was cool I, you know i think that yeah that was great yeah yeah because i mean regardless of his body size if you you know follow him from greece and saturday night fever to pulp fiction you know he's a different shape by the time he's in pulp fiction but he's yeah, still he could move that little you know twist scene still, or something you can really still move that was inside oh okay 
I mean, I thought of this, you know, before we started talking today, when I was at DePaul, it's like super, and I, I fell into that job, didn't know what I was getting into, but super like opera, real international stars there. Like people yeah. I saw in 1978, the Met in New York when I was a kid, you know, I'm like Googling my colleagues, I'm like, oh, and they're like, hey, how you doing? I mean, there's none of that stuff. It was like the genuine, most famous people put their pants on one, one leg at a time too. Cause I was right. like, wow, okay. I, Cause I was a little nervous. Once I started Googling, I was like, holy crap, I'm a guy from Long Island who dumped in South Dakota for 10 years. What am I doing here? You know? Um, yeah, but but they were just super people and you do your work and, and life work. Doesn't. And isn't it fun now to get to have exposure to those people? I mean, it's like, oh, it was totally Ooh. fun. Totally fun. And then, you know, the other little doors opened, you know, while we'd go to a concert and you said, oh, let me go backstage and meet you. So and so I was like, okay, yeah, great. You know, I'm like, oh, you know, I tried to keep it together. I have a couple of friends who are Grammy winners, you know, classical Grammy winners who are like, you know, mm. regular people and go visit them in Missouri, hang out, shoot the breeze. So yeah, I've got used to it over time, but you gotta be, you know, you gotta be used to it by now. George Clooney in a movie, right? So you don't get used. I mean, it, you, you, you're, you're used to doing the work with a person and then you go to a restaurant and you, and it, and it hits you, you look at it differently. I mean, I'm, I'm close friends with Audrey McDonald. I've been close mm -hmm. to Audrey for 20 years. And 15 years ago, 10 years ago, I don't know, we were in New York and she got tickets to a show and we went to the show and we were in our jeans and we had, you know, we had a beer beforehand and we walk into the theater as audience members, mind you, and half the audience stands up and starts applauding. And I'm like, oh, what's happening? Yeah. Oh, well, right. I'm with Audra. I forgot. Right. She's the most down to earth person in the world. So sometimes when you, all of a sudden you see it from the, from a different perspective and it gives you, it gives you chills. It's cool. Right. But yeah. If you lose the ability to be starstruck, I think something's wrong. I mean, it's so exciting to get to work yeah. with different people that you respect. And I don't think that ever stops. Hopefully it never stops. Jeez, fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So back in college. Yeah. In college, you were a music minor. I remember yes. you was a minor. You're an English major, not a theater major. No, there was no there was no theater major. Oh, I'm looking in your books. You directed Bleacher Bums. Bleacher Bums. But were you in like theater all the time? I was in a bunch of um, student directed stuff in the black box. Okay. And I was in one made stage show, All My Sons, that Ray Rutan directed. Yes. Okay. There was two, there was one theater class at Bowdoin and it was lighting. <laughs> okay. And ironically, I don't know if this is maybe ironic is the wrong word. Ty, you remember Tyler Michelow? Yeah. You know, Tyler Michelow is a Tony Award winning lighting designer oh, okay and he was my freshman roommate yeah, and i remember being well. lighting design and him being like this is cool i don't know tell me about acting and we would talk about that stuff we were particularly close and then he went on to portland stage and then he went to broadway and uh yeah he won and he worked with david cromer who's a guy i know from chicago so small world yeah. i mean both not a theater school much more so now than it was certainly yeah. then and but you know there were advantages to that i wish there were more i wish there was creative writing in english there was and i wish that there was a better theater department but the facilities were great and they did give students the opportunity to do their own things i went back last year and, and spent a couple of days with some of the um theater students and you know i don't know if i taught a couple of classes you know sat with people and answered questions yeah and it was fun and it's really thriving there now there's really a great creative arts program there now Oh, super. How did you, how did you find out about Bowdoin from Chicago? My, um, my whole family had gone to liberal arts schools. 
My brother went to Williams. My sister went to Hamilton. My dad yeah. went to Kent. My mom went to BU. So it was just kind of how I pictured what school would be. Um, I'd also spent a lot of time in Maine as a kid. So, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I, I have another, I thought of another connection because when we moved there, we were, um, well, 2012, um, you know, the we were on an impending CPS public school strike. Oh, yeah. Um, and, I, I, and we had just moved and we lived in Lincoln Park because the, the public schools were better than on the north side than they were somewhere else. Um, and I think I, I sent you a message. It's like, Did, where are you from here? Didn't you go to school? And he said, oh, I went to Francis Parker. And when he walked over there, that's a very nice school. <laughs> that, that is something. They had, they had a, a professional level soccer field, you know? Yeah, that is a that was a great school. And uh, it was formative for me. It was, it's a, it was a really great place to go to school. And that's K through 12, right? You do the, everything there? I went for high school. We were in the suburbs. Um, uh, and we moved into the city before high school. So I only went for four years. Oh, okay. Um, okay. My went, um, she just graduated a couple of years ago. She went K through 12 and a lot of my friends, obviously too. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I was, I mean, I think they, a security guard whisked me away. I was standing in front of him too long. Um, <laughs> that, that, that was a place. Um, but the school opened up and we dealt with CPS. My kids went to Alcott elementary. We, we lived uh, on Clark and Deming north of Fullerton, south of diversity sort of a close close friends lived on deming you know nice little street church on one side we were on the opposite side of church blockbuster was steve that was a big that was a big uh that was a big uh uh hangout place blockbuster video blockbuster on friday night to find you know to get raging bull who was gonna get there first it was a Brugger's bagel when I was there. Now it's a fancy coffee shop across the street from the Starbucks. But act, the actual physical Lincoln Park is a, a easy access from that street. You just walk across Clark and down a little alley and you're right there. So that was yeah. a, good, a good time for us. Great. Um, okay, let's go back to Bowdoin College for a second. So we crossed and we, we, I'm trying to think of our Venn diagram. We, we meet in the music building. Um, I remember you as a piano player. But didn't we meet in, in Main Hall? I mean, we lived across the hall from one another, right? Or upstairs? Did you live just upstairs? I lived on the first floor. I lived on the first floor too. I lived maybe on the side closest to the chapel. I lived with me too. Pat. No, you didn't live in our, my quad. I'm I'm positive because it was Mark Strax, um, it was uh, Scott Finney, and Josh Faust, and somebody else, and Ed Amer in one in one triple. Mark Strack lived by himself, me and Pat Horgan and Andrew Apple. And who lived across the hall from you? I don't know. You? Matt, Matt Arbor. No. Tyler Michelow and me. Main Hall. Were you in Main Hall? Yeah, I was on the first floor of Main Hall. Me too, Main 12. I have to look that up because I I don't you were not at my um my surprise birthday party freshman year. Everybody was there from my little quad. I got back mm-hmm. from orchestra on a Monday night and had a 12 pack of something and a pizza. You're invited. Well, everyone, Mark Strax and I are not friends and he was invited. Maybe oh. you were on the other, other side of the bathroom. But okay. I believe you. I believe you. I can look that up. But I remember Scott Finney vividly, Pat Horgan, Andrew Apple, my roommate, Josh Faust, Marty Dion from Augusta, Maine. Who's the redheaded kid? Maybe he lived upstairs across from Jody Condra and... Dave Bender and Tony Wyan. This was all upstairs. This this wasn't downstairs. Okay. The quad uh, implies four, and I can only name three rooms. I think one of them was the Proctor. Oh, okay. 
we didn't spend a lot of time interacting because then we were then it was like fraternity by second semester and i was just like dropping look at you you were a fraternity boy is that a secret you don't share i shouldn't have been it was I, it was a mistake i didn't yeah. enjoy it see there we go 1990 well we were there for the end of that yeah we were there for the end of that and you know I, i'm not crying over it either don't worry I'm not crying already. It was what it was at that point. But I came from Long Island. I didn't. I didn't come from a private school. I had no idea about New England and prep schools and fraternity. I had that was brand brand new to me. So I was like, well, yeah, just to hang out. I mean, so it was it was a a learning experience. But I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie and say it was terrible, but it wasn't the world to me. It wasn't my the center of my existence. So, all right. But yeah, did you play the piano? Yes, primarily jazz piano. Uh, I mean, I tried. I wasn't good at it. <laughs> I had chops, but I I don't have a jazz brain. I just oh. it just couldn't just get my head around it. See, I play the bass, the electric bass. And now in your shows, you play the guitar. Yeah, I started playing guitar. I was already playing guitar. I had a guitar with me at Bowdoin. I was just learning to play it then. And then when I was in bands in the 90s, I was a guitar player and some keyboard stuff. But now I play both. I write on both. Right. Um, you have a band. Yeah, I mean, I yes. have or had a call, call it a band. I, I'm, I play with a bunch of guys out here. They're all professional musicians. We play when we can. And um, I write songs and they're, they're kind enough to play them with me. Perfect. Sounds perfect. I had a joke book right for, uh, and then it was canceled because of the COVID like everything else. Hmm. So I know in the last show, we liked I Feel Bad. Was that the name of it? Yeah. We liked that. And that uh, you, you tried to play your guitar in every episode, I think. Uh, they asked me to. It was on purpose. Do you know when something, I'm not going to say, you know, everything comes to an end eventually, but do you know when something is not going to work or is not good? Or, or I don't want to say that show wasn't good, but it was a year, right? Um, yeah, it's two different questions, really, because knowing something's good and knowing if it's if it's going to be successful or not aren't the same thing. You know, um, there yeah. are both, there say are, both answer both then, because I'm, I'm interested in that. Um, you I think you have a sense of something. I think. When I started, I had no idea. If what was going in was going to come out the other end well or not, and it's much different than theater, which you're getting an immediate response to the immediate response you get on a film set is not necessarily related to what comes out after an edit etc etc but as you go along you start to get a better sense of whether things are gelling um that's one thing the other thing whether something will be successful in the world or not no idea right and anybody who says they do know i think is lying right even if it's even if it's Shonda Rhimes, even if it's Steven Spielberg, I, I think that nobody really knows. You do, however, know <laughs> if things are, you do know, start to glean pretty quickly what the studio and network think. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, you can tell if they're excited about a show or not excited about a show before it airs. Mm -hmm. And then once it does air, then you can really tell regardless of what the numbers say, you know, how they're feeling about it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Cause I mean, I can't, even on this little tiny amateur hour podcast that I do my most season two. Okay. So my first episode, I had the executive director of my professional organization 
20, you know, my, my professional organization, American Coral Directors Association has like 20,000 members. He has a, you know, 5,000. He's maxed out on all the social media. It was very good. Very good listening. Very good, you know, audience. I had a couple from a Brookings, South Dakota, from where I used to work, just talking about what family people do with COVID, like off the charts. Like no social media presence, <laughs> nobody. And I thought it was just me and my buddy going, "Hey, how you doing?" Oh, Steve, it's all right. You know, we're cooking a lot. And kids are in school. I mean, it was that kind of conversation. Um, and it was like the other guy was good. I mean, the other guy was really good. But this was just like off the charts. Me and Aaron Ragsdale and his wife talking about COVID. You know, and I'm like, do people really want to hear about this? From you know, and yeah. it was like, yeah, the people found it really comforting and. And yeah, we're going through that. They can relate to it. It was easily relatable because everyone's sort of going through like, um, I, I have this question for most people during this era, Paul, is like, what is your, um, do you have a smallest degree of time that you try to get through? I, I'm, mine is three hours at a time. I'd, I try to go meal to meal with all the wheels on the bus. How about you? <laughs> uh, I would say 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Yeah. I start one of those assholes who started baking um, sourdough. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, you know, I have ADHD and I, I mean, I'm, it's better now, but like, and I'm trying to write from home. So nobody's around. My daughter's downstairs in school or whatever. It's hard to concentrate, but you know, you have to flip the dough or whatever it is, um, stretch the dough every 30 minutes. So that was actually really like, okay, you have 30 minutes, get a bunch of work done. As opposed to saying, I have three hours, I'm going to get a bunch of work done. Three hours right. freaks me. 30 minutes I can, I can do. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. so I started like, what can I get done in 30 minutes? And whether it's cleaning, laundry, writing, working out, whatever it is, it's like, if I just think it's 30 minutes, it's yeah. become much palatable to me. Okay. Okay. That's, I mean, I think everyone has a similar answer. My three hours might be a little too much. I have two kids uh, at school, um, at school in their basement on Zoom. Yeah every day yeah. my wife yeah. is a college professor she goes in and every morning is an email of who's quarantined and who's not coming and what you know trying to juggle zoom and in person and she teaches singing um so they have you know these lessons in these huge spaces with fans and hepa filters and face shields and masks and all this it's like you know she feels like i'm going to the hospital today to go teach a voice lesson and oh but so and so is not coming in so i'm teaching them with zoom so every every single day is different right yeah and not in a, not in a good way Okay, um, let's see. We liked you in Cupid in this household. Remember that? Remember that? <laughs> Remember that? I feel like that Chris Farley. Remember that? Um, yeah. My wife and I are fighting. There was a reboot of this? There was. With Bobby uh, Cannavale? She looked it up. Five years ago, yeah. Oh, okay. Another one coming with U.S. Cupid, she asks? I don't think so, but... Okay. <laughs> That's a no. <laughs> Was in was that like one of the first things you had? I'm looking at IMDb. You had something when you were in college. I had something when I was in college because what would have been my junior year, I spent in Chicago in my parents' apartment. So it was my junior year abroad in Chicago. I got involved in a theater company uh, that John Cusack started, a Commedia dell'arte company. Oh, okay. In between sophomore and junior year, and I made the cut to do a show, and so I stayed home. I did two shows that year. I took courses at Northwestern to make up credit. Yeah, gotcha. So I got Bowden for my senior year. So yeah, and then in that year too, um, Johnny did The Grifters mm -hmm. and they asked four of us from the theater company to play Sailors as a group so that we could improvise. So we auditioned as a group, we got cast as a group. 
So yeah, by the time I went back to voting for senior year, I had already done that. I was in a theater company and I had done a, a Nintendo commercial. Mm-hmm. Remember a bunch of um, like jocks coming up to me in the in the dining hall being like, you an actor? Like, I mean, because they saw me on a commercial and they were totally confused. Um, I was really, really lucky in that regard that, you know, so much of being an actor is looking for a home or looking for work and the fact that i had my foot in the door of a company so that when i got out of school went back to chicago waited tables did all that stuff i at least had a place i could go act right i mean that was just an incredible more the the further away from it i get the more i realize how lucky i was Mm. to fall a group of people that were good and dedicated it was great gotcha gotcha okay is there a type are you, a, are you a type? You're a regular guy? I you go through phases of being different kinds of types. Oh, okay. But, um, and it's fine. You know, it's part of, you know, it's a visual medium. Yes. Um, I've been on the other side of it. I've been a director and a producer, and sometimes you cast the type. You know, some of the most, I think some of the funnest stuff I've gotten to do, I mean, for instance, you mentioned Prison Break earlier when we were talking before the show. I mean, I still get great responses from that show. And I played a um killer you know and i think it's like it was against type i don't look like a killer and i think that made it more effective frankly yeah. i think it made him aesthetic and i think it made it uh more surprising to people and so it was really fun to do because you know what's coming so you can just smile and look i'm such a nice guy <laughs> you know and so you know i think sometimes sometimes people want it directors producers want to cast against type and sometimes they don't but yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if I have, a, I do, so sure I do have a type, you know, then within reason. Every actor thinks they can play every role. Okay. Could I play a black female Nazi? Yes, I could. <laughs> uh, will I get that opportunity? Most likely not, nor should I. But, you know, as an actor, you feel you're a completely malleable piece of clay. Of course, that's not 100% true. Right, because you're like bad guy on Scandal, right? I mean, I was, he was more of an a-hole than a bad guy. Um, uh, and that was to type. I mean, he was, he was kind of a, a you know, officious East Coast um, hoity-toity guy in a $5,000 suit. So that, I mean, you, I'm more like that. I was more likely to end up like that in my life than I was a Secret Service murderer, probably. Okay, gotcha. All right, all right. All right, this has been illuminating and, and educational for me. Do you have, uh, can I ask you a personal question now? Sure. I mean, it's about me, because it's my show. Do you, is that, what do you remember about me? <laughs> what do you remember, I remember about Steve in Bowdoin College? I, I had a particular, um, I mean, of course, I'll phrase, phrase I'll, I'll frame it in my own mind, which was that I was so jealous of you and Arlen and, and Rice. Yeah. Because you, uh, you, these are other people that I was going to be a music major, but the acting thing actually kind of sidelined it. I was going to be a double. Um, I think I was lucky. I couldn't read music very well. You know, I, I still don't read music great. I, it's just, I learned chords. I taught myself all that stuff as a kid by ear. And I just, you guys had such a facility and you in particular, I remember, I don't know, were we in the, the course in which we would have learned counterpoint? I don't remember even who taught it. 
I don't know if it was well, McCall. I, I, took two, I took two of those. One was with the visiting professor, Mr. Yang, Professor Yang. He was Asian. And then there was the, uh, I took, he did 16th century counterpoint. Oh boy. And there was an 18th century. There were two counterpoint classes that I took, Which, but maybe just theory with Jim McCullough. For you, it was like talking. It seemed to me. For you, it was like talking. And for me, it, well, everything was like sweating out every note. And it made me feel like, oh, maybe this, maybe I'm just not good at this. <laughs> um, but my, memory of you was you're just kind of um i mean you're always kind and a funny guy to bump into but it was your kind of you're always in the music building and you were always doing something that seemed beyond me and impressive <laughs> uh, with the with you know the choral stuff with the um notating stuff i i was just kind of you, you felt like a step ahead of everyone mm. and spoiler alert I was playing the violin since I was four years old. I go, I go through this on a, I had a very um, self-confessional podcast episode where I go through this. My violin teacher died before I went to Bowdoin, the man, oh. and it was rough. It was rough. And um, I, I was so close to going to school. I'm like, should I get a new teacher? But, so I played the, like, I played the string bass at that point and I sang and I did other things, but my, my, and my, I grew a little late. So my hands got big and then the uh, intonation changed a little bit, but I knew how to read music and, I would write music and do all these other before I even came to college. I basically came to college. I, I want to say I ran away. It was a little bit of an escape for me. Sure. Um, I grew up, I mean, on Long Island. I'm not in the on in Manhattan, but I'm in a concrete place. I'm in a I'm in a city, a busy place. And it was like, oh, I need a little time to can't I'm 16 years old and I'm burnt out. I would play in orchestras, like a youth orchestra with the Brooklyn Phil with the Brooklyn Philharmonic. I played youth orchestra. I mean, I was I was just playing constantly. So yeah, I had a lot sort of stored up stored mm -hmm. up there but but you know in Bowdoin we started like studying music and you're right we were in a golden age there for the music department and that there were 12 majors like at that point which is an enormous number for that they have three or four yeah. it was Eric uh -huh. Arlen and Sarah Jane and me you were a minor minor Katrina minor was also a minor there were several others but yeah we had a lot of people at that point Richard Francis I don't remember him he was younger than us he yeah. was a Dammer Scott or Maine, he's a carpenter now, but he still plays the cello and still writes music. But we had a sort of a golden era of the music department there. I'm sure, you know, I don't follow it that closely. But uh, yeah, it was an exciting time all around. Just curious, just curious, because, you know, I remember you mm -hmm. sort of playing the piano and yeah. and uh, being involved in the show. Well, thank you. This is good. This is good. I, I appreciate you making a little time for Steve. Paul, thank you. It was really nice to see you and talk to you again. Um, what was Julie's question? Well, I, she was all about the shows, so I, I, I incorporated them in. Yeah, you asked it already. Um, okay, one last one. Sure. Private practice. Mm, he, she liked the fact, these are more comments here. She liked the okay. fact that an unmarried non-father could be a good pediatrician. Yeah. That was a good twist for her on the, on the watch that. But what was the deal with the weird relationship with the hospital administrator well we ended up married with children so by the end of it we had three kids so okay um uh <laughs> was it started off as a very passionate relationship and turned into a great love affair okay yeah i had an interesting conversation with a um pediatrician before that show started that was very elucidating to me which was um that she basically said you know the, the some of the cliches about who picks what specialty in medicine are true. Um, surgeons tend to be very, very, very type A. Orthopedic 
people tend to be jocks. Mm. They like breaking things, smashing things. Mm. And that pediatricians are kind and they're doing it not to make money. Pediatricians don't make a lot of money. They do it because they love kids and they do it because, you know, unlike on TV, in real life, most children who get sick get better. Yeah. And you're really dealing with cold, strep throat, uh, and very scared parents. And that's kind of the job is really a people person job. Mm. And, and, and it attracts that type of person. And it attracts somebody who's not really in it for the money. They're in it for kind of the, let's say, love of the game. And that resonated with me for that character. Gotcha. Gotcha. Some, we were, my wife and I were talking. Um, you had nothing to do with the Patrick Dempsey went to Bowdoin in the other show, right? No. Um, Patrick uh, is from Maine, which is where that came from. Ah, okay. He did not go to Bowdoin. He went to... Or, or think, McDreamy, the character, went to Bowdoin. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Derek Shepard. I think he went, in real life, I think he went to University of Maine. Mm. But um, yeah, the Bowdoin thing was his doing. I talked to him about it once. He he uh, he asked Shonda to be to have gone to vote oh okay our shows were connected right there yeah, was some, yeah. yeah 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 see i have a vague i'm i'm i'm, I'm there in the house when it's on um, sure. and sometimes i woke up to you the other day i think it was scandal on me tv or ion or something i, I yeah. was we were just talking about you know scheduling this and stuff and it was like am i dreaming am i dreaming about polyethyl sure. no no okay. no i just fell asleep in front of the tv and woke up with you getting hit in the head with something oh um, yeah it's happened Yes. Okay. Great. See, I do the Midwestern goodbye too, because we said goodbye like ten minutes ago. We did. And we did. You, you're from the Midwest. You understand that, right? You're standing at the door with the people, and you're saying goodbye for ten minutes. And I do. Yes. So time to go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much. I can, you know, send my people over to your social media to see keep keep up with you, and the like. But you know, appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for chatting.